Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everyone, welcome to The Ovation Show, where we are discussing the healthcare crisis in America. And we're bringing partners, colleagues, clients, and business owners together to discuss solutions and innovations that bring a higher quality of care to employees while reducing their out-of-pocket costs. But we're also reducing the employer costs and giving them more transparency and control. And we are live today in the Work Innovator Studio, where Work Innovators is amplifying the voice of business here at the VentureX and Castle Hills in the realm. Uh, today, we're going to go back into pharmacy and PBM and pharmacy management. And I'm really excited to have a good friend and my guest from Virginia, um, Renzo Luzzati. He's founder and president of USRX Care. Welcome, Lorenzo. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's just kind of talk about it. What, what is US, USRX Care? Sure. So um, USRX Care, uh, we, we um, play in the pharmacy benefit management space. Um, but we came into the PBM space from a different place. We started on the health plan side of managed care. Um, if you think of director of pharmacy at uh, Humana or Blue Cross Blue Shield or Centene, um, managing Medicare, Medicaid and commercial lives, upwards of 2 million lives. That's where we started. So a true risk management environment. If you're a health plan, you own your own claims. They're your expenses, right? You can't take them and put them on an invoice and send them to somebody else at the end of the month to pay. Um, when you're operating in that environment, you tend to look at things very differently than the traditional PBM model. And um, we realized in 2007, after spending a couple of decades on the health plan side, that that type of fiduciary, rigorous, clinically um, deep uh, management of pharmacy risk just didn't exist for self-funded employers. So we started the company US Arcs here in 2007 to bring all of those learnings and skills and, and successes that we had with health plans to the self-funded employer marketplace. We talk about successes. I know recently you just uh, you were nominated for, for last year a pretty big award with uh, it was a National Alliance of Healthcare Purchasers Coalition. And tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, it's a pretty big. Pretty big it's deal. a big deal. Uh, so the National Alliance of Healthcare Purchaser Coalitions is kind of the umbrella organization to the regional business groups on health. So here in Dallas-Fort Worth, there's the Dallas-Fort Worth Business Group on Health. Um, there's a, a similar one in Houston. There's one in, in um, Pacific Northwest and Philadelphia. There's about 40 some odd of these regional business groups on health. And the, the parent organization is the National Alliance. Um, so uh, I've been very involved in that organization. Um, I'm on a committee that is involved in, in um, uh, kind of strategizing on how best to manage and mitigate high cost claims. Um, but they asked us to submit um, as a, a, a nominee for uh, their Innovator Award last year. And um, we were nominated one of six finalists out of hundreds of applications. Um, we didn't win, uh, Cigna and Kaiser won. But um, just being recognized um, you know, from a national organization, they, all of their member organizations touch about 45 million 
uh, Americans that are insured through employer self-funded plans. So we were pretty pleased to be to be recognized for our innovation in fiduciary uh, pharmacy benefit management. Well, yeah, it's pretty impressive when you look at who you were in that top top of those six people. I mean, yes. it was Kaiser Permanente, Cigna, Aetna. Um, yeah. I forget who the other ones were, but I mean, it was it was impressive. It's an impressive list, and to be in that top six, congratulations on that. No, thank you very much. It was um, it, it's validation. I mean, we've been doing this for quite a while, and we've had a lot of success. But it's really nice to be um, to get that recognition from a national organization such as that. So you know, going back looking at pharmacy benefit man PBM pharmacy benefit managers, you know. I'm not going to go into what that is. We're assuming most people are watching right now are in self-funded. It's, it's an area that they're looking at. Um, but one of the things you mentioned in the last couple of days when we were talking with clients and traveling and doing things, um, you, you said, we're not really not more, not a PBM. We're more of a PRM, more of a pharmacy risk manager. Right. So tell what's the, what do you, what do you see as the difference in those? Yeah. So we refer to ourselves as being in the pharmacy risk management business in part to kind of differentiate ourselves, as you said, from the traditional pharmacy benefit manager. Uh, again, because of our heritage coming from the health plan side of, of managed care, uh, where we were managing true pharmacy risk, um, you look at things very differently. You, your formularies can look different. Your treatment guidelines, we think, are a little bit more rigorous. Um, things that you would do if you're at risk um, permeate everything that we do as an organization for our, our self-funded clients. Um, we also take um, fiduciary compliance very seriously. Um, you know, if you're operating as a risk manager in a health plan, there's no conflicts of interest within your health plan, right? You're just managing your risk. Uh, unfortunately, in the PBM industry, there's a lot of conflicts of interest that have been, um, uh, that has kind of filtered in over time. Um, so um, we um, take the definition of a fiduciary right out of ERISA, and there are three things. Uh, number one is no conflicts of interest. Number two is um, only looking out for the best interests of the client and the plan participant. And number three is all utilization and financial information has to be in full view. So we put that right in our contract. Um, and what it means is that we are on the same side of the table as our client. You know, many clients that come to us feel that they're in kind of an adversarial role with their PBM uh, and it doesn't need to be. And uh, so that's just part of who we are. And it is a big differentiator. Um, and it allows us to focus on managing pharmacy risk um, as opposed to some of the, we can get into it, some of the things that occur in the PBM space that um, we think um, maybe are a little dated and, and um, um, uh, can be improved. Well, I think, you know, you, you really hit on it. And I will actually get a little ahead where I wanted to go later on. Talk about the fiduciary side and everyone having that responsibility of the client, being on the same side of the table, which is what we do when we're dealing with clients and the benefit mm -hmm. side. Um, you're a fidu you're fiduciary for the plan. When, you know, there was three big PBMs, you know, it was Optum, CVS Caremark, and Express Scripts, and they're not fiduciary. When we look at their contracts, I, I love bringing this up because this is, you know, this is a <laughs> this is a contract torn apart. I got to share this. You know, this is I'm going to let you talk about. I'm going to talk about this because it, you know we tore apart this contract from a big PBM, and there's pages and pages of things that are slanted or in the favor of the PBM and not the client. And so, you know, you can't say you're a fiduciary when all these things in here benefit you or them as a PBM. And you mentioned one thing, that's why I went right to this. You mentioned, you know, you're governed by ERISA. Yeah. And on the front page of this contract, it says that the PBM, this pharmacy benefit management plan is governed by ERISA. But if it's governed by ERISA, there's another paragraph here that says that they are not fiduciary. Mm -hmm. So I don't, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. If I'm governed by ERISA, but I'm not a fiduciary, 
So what does it mean to not be a fiduciary? When they put this in a contract, what does it mean to not be a fiduciary? <laughs> You're putting me on the spot. I have and... <laughs> to on that one, you know. But just so uh, everyone so, understands yeah, the difference. So, yeah, so um, I mean, if you look at the, that first definition of, of being fiduciary or a role of being a fiduciary is no conflicts of interest. Uh, but then you look at the traditional PBM model, they own the mail order pharmacy, right? So there's an inherent profit center that um, is a potential conflict to the role of managing the pharmacy risk. Um, they own the specialty pharmacy. In some cases, the PBMs own the retail pharmacies, right? I mean, we've seen cases where 80, 90% of the benefit spend is going to pharmacies owned by the PBM. Right. I mean, you know, you don't have to think too hard to say, well, that may be a bit of a conflict of interest because there's a, a competing profit center within the PBM that runs counter to the, the ultimate mission or expectation that they're there to manage cost. Um, so we kind of turn all of that on on its head, if you will. And again, we came out of the health plan space. Um, there's no conflicts of interest when you're when you're managing your own health plan and we just took that same model and, and bring it to self-funded so for us it was easy to put the language in the contract that um we're fiduciary compliant because because we are so yeah so when we look at these contracts i mean there's and dave contorno when he was on you know he said hey there's you got the three big PBMs. There's 72 ways that they profit <laughs> off of right. a client and i right. we found a lot of them in that contract but they're profiting in all these different ways they're directing their mail order they're directing them you know CVS Care Market, but they have their own pharmacies. They're directing people there, making you get certain drugs from there. And I get that. That's where they're profiting. But you're not doing any of that right. as a fiduciary PBM. So how do you, I mean, let's get right. How do you get paid? How do you make money if you're not getting spread pricing, rebates, all these other things? Yeah. So we're not in the business of, of marking up drugs to the our client, right? Or, or, or selling drugs at a profit. At the end of the day, we get paid a flat administrative fee for our services. And our goal really at the end of the day is twofold. We want to make sure that um, we're optimizing the care for the member. We're getting the drugs right. And the second is that we're buying them at the lowest available cost, right? So those are the two areas that we focus on. And those are really the two areas that um, have the greatest impact on uh, the member experience, but also on cost, right? So by stripping away all the potential conflicts of interest and all those potential profit centers, it really allows us to focus on the things that matter. Right. And, um, you know, the proof is in the, the pudding. We've got lots of clients, including some of yours that have saved, you know, 60, 70, 80 percent in the first year. 80 percent. That was yesterday. That's, you know, that was impressive because when we look at our client, you know, multiple clients that we have with you and, you know, we go in and do pharmacy consulting or even our self-funded clients. And we say we know we'll guarantee 30, 40 percent savings on pharmacy. But the clients we're looking at, you know, I think the lowest one was 53 we had a 60, 67, something like that. And then, of course, the other one was 73% the first year. And now they're even 83%, 83%. when we started. So, I mean, that's amazing what we're doing. There's that much waste in the system, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, we've been talking about this and, and working in self-funded since 2007. But I would say it's just been in the last five, six years, maybe, that um, most employers in the country are finally realizing that the old way is probably not the best way going forward, right? So they're asking a lot of the right questions. Um, they're digging into the contracts yeah. like you're talking about and say, wait a minute, you know, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't sound like it's in my best interest. I think the, the biggest challenge for employers are that there's not enough folks like us out there, right? And um, so a lot of employers, they see the issues, but they don't know where to turn. Right. Um, which is why I'm really pleased to be part of your show because this helps get the word out. 
You know, yeah, the pharmacy side we've learned is it's just this low hanging fruit for a client, for a prospect or for a company. You know, you go in and you say, well, we can save you money in the medical management and on your claims, but it may take a lot of un unbundling and then rebuilding the plan and a lot of pieces that we have to, that we have to manage and build out and educate employees. Pharmacy is a very easy way. In fact, we're, you know, when we're doing pharmacy consulting, I tell them, take your pharmacy spend and just what, what's 40% of that. So if I can right. put 40% of that back in your pocket without sacrificing any care with any prescription drugs, what would that do for you? And, and that's the process we go through because it's such an easy way for employers to have an impact immediately. And, you know, mm -hmm. they'll start seeing impacts almost immediately on that. You know, it's true. No, it's, um, you know, pharma, one of the advantages of pharmacy is 99 plus percent of it is immediate and it's electronic in terms of the dispensing and, and the interaction between us and the pharmacies. Um, and even interaction with the doctor's offices, a lot of it is, is electronic now. And um, uh, there are so many options available in pretty much every therapeutic category uh, and they can't all be right. Right. It's the same on the medical side. I know we've been talking about that for years, but you're absolutely right on the pharmacy side. Um, it's a lot less complicated. Uh, and um, there's again, there's just so much ways. Yeah. Well, no, that's what I wrote in, our, in the book, Life and Death Decisions of the C-Suite. You know, there's chapter 18. I, I wrote about life and death of the drugstore and employees being able to get their drugs and controlling the costs and how the benefits the bottom line. Um, one of the things I didn't talk about, which will probably be in the next book or next chapter I write or the next white paper I do, and something we talked a lot about yesterday, and you just mentioned it, but in that process of clinical rigor. Yes. So tell me, because you, you bring that up, but I don't hear that a lot. So talk about mm -hmm. clinical rigor. Yeah. So, um, you know, at the at our roots, USRX Care is a clinical pharmacy organization. Um, we happen to work in the pharmacy benefit management space and we have, you know, all of the, the attributes that, that you would want um, for managing pharmacy benefit. But at, at our roots, we really are clinical pharmacists. Um, we've got a, a large um, team of, of clinicians, MDs, pharmacists, techs that are reviewing the literature all year long. Um, and again, looking at it from the fiduciary perspective, right? We're not looking at, so when we build our formulary, for example, we're not looking to maximize rebates, which is has been the the mantra of the past more rebates more rebates more rebates the problem with with rebates are you have to spend a hundred dollars to get twenty dollars back you know years ago i was at a conference and i was talking to um a ceo at, at another pbm they've since sold uh, they're no longer but um he referred to rebates as fool's gold <laughs> and i thought wow that is a really good way to put it right because it seems so good and shiny but at the end of the day if you're optimizing rebates you have to drive up costs to get those rebates back it doesn't make any sense right um so uh, coming back to the the clinical what we've seen unfortunately in the industry is the influence of drug manufacturers on pbms has been substantial and i used to work at a drug manufacturer right. so I, I get it um but we've seen you know formularies get altered treatment guidelines get diluted um, they're not necessarily following best practices. Um, so we've um, one area that we've made a huge dent is particularly on specialty pharmacy. Um, we see, unfortunately, a rubber stamp in many PBMs, right? Because there's an incentive to get it to the pharmacy as quickly as possible to dispense because you can make a lot of money off the specialty. We don't do that. We don't own a specialty pharmacy. We don't own a pharmacy. So our goal is to get the drug right. Um, if I can use an analogy, we were talking about this yesterday um, when we were meeting with some of your groups. Uh, the way I look at the, the prior authorization um, function is kind of like buying a car, 
So I don't know when the last time you was you were on a showroom floor, but you know, you're on the showroom floor and you're looking at, you know, what color do I want? Do I want the sedan? Do I want the, the, the hatchback? What kind of tires? What, what kind of stereo system? All of that stuff. You're trying to pick the right car for yourself. That's what we do in the prior authorization function. We are wanting to make the best decision for that individual, for their care, where they are at in their course of disease, what drugs they've tried and failed before. Um, it really is an art more than it is a science, but you also know, need to know at a deep level what's appropriate on-label, off-label, um, and there's a lot of complexities, right? So um, we, dig, we dig in really deep, and um, at the end of the day, though, if there's three drugs that all do the same thing, and um, they're all going to have the same outcome on a patient, of course, we'll look at the ones that are lower cost, right? Why wouldn't you? That unfortunately doesn't always happen, we see within the traditional PBM space, um, which again, fosters some of the, the waste. And unfortunately, as an employer, they're relying on their pharmacy benefit manager to make all those decisions and do it with the client's best interest at heart. And, and unfortunately, we don't always see that. I think that kind of goes along with what we've always talked about in the Next Gen Mastermind, and even when like Deb Alt says it, getting the right care at the right price at the right time. And that goes into, let's make sure <clears throat> it's the right drug that's that right. they're getting and they've taken the right one. And then of course, getting the right price. And that kind of leads into, you know, you mentioned sourcing the drug at the lowest possible cost and using your analogy with a car. Look at now, I go into this dealership, I find the perfect car and we know that it's this drug, it's this car that I want. But I look at it, it says MSRP on the window. Yeah. And, you know, in the past, you say, well, I don't want to pay MSRP. I want to pay the lowest possible invoice cost, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you negotiate to hopefully get that lowest cost. Now, we're even seeing in the car industry now where MSRP, you're paying, people are paying 10, 20% over crazy. MSRP. So it, the car analogy really fits in the pricing of drugs now. It's crazy. Um, but how do you get that lowest cost? So what, what are some of the things that you do on your end to, to benefit the client? Yeah. So that's kind of the second, if I think of, uh, let's talk about specialty drugs. They have to go through a prior authorization process, review process. We want to make sure we get the drug right. Um, but if you're back on that showroom floor buying the car, once you picked out your car, what happens? You got to talk to the person in the financing department. How am I going to pay for this shiny new vehicle, right? That's the second piece that that we've included in our process. Once a drug is approved, um, then we look to see where can we get that drug at the lowest available price. Um, we we um, certainly leverage every penny that's available in manufacturer programs, whether it's copay assistance, and maybe we can, for those that may not be familiar, we can, you know, flesh that out a little bit, but there's um, coupon programs, copay programs, and also needs-based programs where individuals can get their medications for free. Um, so that's the first rung that we would focus on to get discounts because that's really low-hanging fruit. And then there's another a, a num number of other different options that we can look at, including leveraging a network of pharmacies, particularly on specialty. Typically, when you're working with a PBM, you have to get your specialty drug from their specialty pharmacy. That's part of the contract, right? Um, that doesn't mean that those uh, that, that pharmacy is necessarily going to always be the cheapest. They can't be the cheapest all the time. Um, so we shop. We have a network of pharmacies, and um, whoever has the best rate for a particular drug gets the business, right? Why wouldn't you? Right. Just like you're, you know, you're buying your groceries or whatever, you, you want to get it at the at the right price. So um, that all of that is part and parcel of the flexibility that we have when you take all the shackles off um, that uh, are inherent in not being uh, fiduciary compliant. All right, great. So I want to take a quick break for a moment. And when we come back, I'm going to talk to Renzo more about the things they're doing in innovation and how they're helping employees and employers get their costs and find their, their drugs at the lowest cost. Be right back. 
As business leaders, we all know that healthcare is expensive. In fact, it's one of the top five expenses in most companies. The decisions you make or don't make in your healthcare plan can have financial repercussions down the road, but not all is lost. There are ways to take charge and get your employees the best possible care, all while reducing overall costs for us as employers and employees too. Get your copy of Life and Death Decisions in the C-Suite, where Dan Lebrod and his colleagues pull back the curtain and address how the private healthcare system and health insurance industry have plagued businesses for decades. What you'll discover will empower you to take back control over your health insurance costs that could mean massive savings for your company while giving your employees better quality health care. Get your free copy now at the link below or using the QR code provided. Welcome back, everyone. We are live in the studio today with Renzo Luzzatti, the president and founder of USRX Care, one of our great strategic partners. And so, Renzo, let's just continue where we were. Um, you know, we talk about lowest cost, clinical rigor, a lot of things you're doing, um, but you were nominated for that award for innovation. And so tell me about the innovative things you're doing that basically got you that nomination. Yeah. So the fiduciary compliance is part of it. And that was recognized because we're an anomaly in the industry, right? Um, there's a couple of other things I mentioned. I've been very involved in a high cost claimant committee um, at the National Alliance. And um, a lot of the things that they're now promoting are things that we've been doing for a number of years and um, have been successful in implementing in your own clients. So congratulations to you for Thank being you. an innovator you and, made jump, me look and, good. and jumping on early. <laughs> um, but um, when it comes to high cost claims, that's kind of the big fear factor right now for self-funded, right? Because one, one individual employer um, can struggle, frankly, to, to if they have a $2 million claim, for example, what do you do? It's going to hit stop loss in the first year and you're going to own that claim the second year. For an individual employer, it's tough, right? So what do you do? We found that there's three main strategies that um, we have found to be valuable to mitigate and avoid high cost claims. Um, number one, uh, we talked about a little bit, and that is de-conflicting the clinical decision making, right? Taking the profit incentives away from the decisions that you make clinically, right? Because that can dilute and distort your decisions if, if there's a, a, a profit incentive to approve, for example, a drug that may not necessarily be appropriate or needed. Um, second is to dig into the medical side of Rx. What do I mean by that? When you look at specialty pharmacy spend, 40% goes through the medical benefit, not through the pharmacy mm -hmm. benefit. And we find that a lot of organizations are not looking necessarily under the cover at what's going on over there. And unfortunately, what's going on over there are egregious, uh, we think, um, uh, charges uh, that come through from uh, practices that are administering drugs and um, submitting charges and then getting paid a percentage of charge through the TPA, if that makes sense. Um, we've seen markups of 500% um, above that list price, wow. that sticker price, 700%. Um, and one of the um, things um, we were talking about yesterday, um, Nurse Deb and AIM, yep. um, we co-manage a lot of groups. Um, uh, she's so well known that I've started to say, <laughs> if, if you don't really understand, you know, US Arcs Care, we are to pharmacy benefits as nurse Deb is to medical benefits, yeah. right? Because we were doing the same thing. We're getting the drug right and we're making sure that it's sourced appropriately. Um, everything we talked about in terms of manufacturer programs and whatnot, she, you know, fully on board there and also in her realm, managing the, the site of care, right? Moving it from the hospital to the home, for example. One of the areas that we've collaborated with her team is um, if there's a, a doctor's office that's looking to buy a bill at, a, at an egregious rate, 
um, they'll let us know and we'll dispense the medication through a pharmacy and send it to that clinic or sometimes to the patient to bring to the clinic to be administered. In the industry, it's known as brown bagging or, or white bagging. Brown bagging, sending it to the patient, to bring in white bagging, sending it to a clinic. Um, uh, we have a kind of a landmark case study that I'd, I'd love to share with you. Yeah, That's please okay. do. Um, so um, uh, there was a TPA up in New Jersey um, that had a, a wasn't Nurse Deb in this case, and a medical management firm that um, had approved uh, two chemotherapy agents. Um, they were being administered from what, a well-known cancer facility up in Pennsylvania because uh, the, the family lived right across the border. And uh, they charged $248,000 for two chemotherapy agents for, per course of treatment. Uh, the first payment went through. And then someone at the TP, TPA said, well, did anybody ask US ARCs care what they would do? So they gave us a call. <laughs> and um, we're now shipping those agents from a pharmacy for $15,000. Wow. So the difference between $248,000 down to $15,000, the patient's getting the same drug. Um, so that's something that, that we work together collaboratively, collaboratively with Nurse Demp and her team. They'll um, give us a ring. Um, we'll put the overrides in our system and we'll dispense from uh, you know whatever pharmacy is the lowest cost. So it's a big cost saver, um, um, you know, for the client, and we're happy to do it. Well, I think that's the whole realm of the next-gen benefits model that you know we embrace and that you embrace, and Nurse Deb is, you know, making sure that you're getting the same care or better, but you're lowering the cost, right. and you're not. I mean, if it's a big deal to the employers when you say, "Yeah, we're going to save you two hundred forty-eight thousand dollars, two hundred thirty thousand yeah. dollars twice," right? <laughs> well, multiple times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because it was per course of treatment there. So you're talking, you know, they could have spent a few million bucks and, and now they may not even spend a hundred thousand. There was yeah. a case we had not long ago, I think it was about a year ago, and it, that brown bagging idea, it came up and we had, the TPA had called us and, and working with the pharmacy and that was, they were going to administer a drug in the hospital, but there was a pharmacy right next door. Mm -hmm. And they actually, we found out that the, the cost of the uh, employee was going to be very high too. Right. And they were worried about that. And then we got the notice to, hey, we can get the pharmacy next door pick it up and bring it back to the hospital and they'll administer it. It had to be administered by a doctor, but it didn't matter where you got it. Right. Yeah. At, um, you know, at the end of the day, in some ways I feel like we're at, at war because the, the number of specialty drugs that are coming to market and the price points are just astronomical. And again, from an individual employer perspective, it's un, it's unsustainable, right? So from our perspective, anything that we can do to get the drug, as you mentioned, a lot of these strategies like the brown bagging, we're not changing the drug. In right. that particular case, those those two um, chemotherapy agents were exactly the right choice for that patient because we did take a look at that also. It was a matter of just buying better, yep. right? And um, you need to have the right partners at the table that are willing to do that, right? And um, so I'm glad Nurse Deb came up because we're, we're a big great fan partners. of hers. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of great partners. I mean, you and then Nurse Deb, and then you know, we talk a lot about, of course, especially medications and that being you know, the biggest portion of med pharmacy spend typically is 5% of the employees taking these high dollar specialty meds like Humira um, and being able to eliminate those through different programs such as, you know, copay assistance, manufacturer coupons, uh, manufacturer assistance programs, charities, international right. pharmacy. You know, mm -hmm. we've, you've got mm -hmm. a really great partnership with uh, Gary Becker at mm -hmm. Script Sourcing and so mm -hmm. do we. They've saved mm -hmm. our clients, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, just like you have. Mm -hmm. um, so looking at case studies, you know, you mentioned the one case study, yeah. but let's talk a little bit about case studies because I know my own experience working with my pharmacy consulting clients, my employee benefit clients. Again, we always say, implement what we're telling you, put in a fiduciary PBM, analyze your contract. Let me show you all the ways you're being screwed. <laughs> and I, I won't put it lightly because it is. I see these contracts that drive me insane. 
But let's look at all of this, put these in, and we'll guarantee, I mean, I'll guarantee 40% return. I mean, you're going to mm -hmm. save 40% without sacrificing mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And so my clients have seen, you know, 50% plus all the way up to right now, 83% savings. Mm -hmm. Um, but talk some other case studies that that you re usually refer to. Yeah, we were uh, we were actually called into uh, a union group in Hawaii. Uh, this was about four years ago, and um, they had three hemophiliac cases in their population: two kids in one household, and another kid in another household. And um, they were spending three and a half million dollars a year on those hemophilia agents. And um, so we went in and looked and we thought, well, maybe it could be a manufacturer program or not. It turned out that both families had a secondary payer that wasn't contributing anything to the cost of those medications. So um, we, um, we made some, some changes in, in, the, in the benefit to, to have a more equitable share, if you will, between uh, the union and the secondary payer. And we were able to do that and they um, are saving now, I think they've saved a total of, uh, well, over $10 million wow. just on those, those three agents. That's game changing for a union, you know? I mean, it was just crippling their trust fund, yeah. right? And um, so, yeah, those, those, those sort of things make, make us, I mean, that's why we're in the business because at yeah. the end of the day, we're making a big difference for the client. Um, another area that we've seen a lot of opportunity is we find that um, in some PBM contracts, the way the specialty um, discounts are, are set. It's an aggregate. It's a combined on um, brand and generic. AWP minus 22, 25, whatever, wh whatever it may be. Um, but often you can get generic specialty drugs a lot cheaper at a retail pharmacy than you can get through the specialty pharmacy. So we've um, taken over some groups, and I won't mention the PBM, where <laughs> they were spending $80,000, $90,000, $100,000 a year on generic specialty drugs that we are able to source by moving them to, to the local retail pharmacy where the individual can just go to their local um, community pharmacy and uh, we brought the cost down to under a thousand for each of those drugs so eighty thousand dollars versus a thousand dollars just by changing the pharmacy it's crazy so you mentioned like local pharmacies and i know one thing that we use and we have our clients use a lot on your website you've got the lowest cost pharmacy search tool yeah. talk a little bit about that because i think okay. that's an innovation that we don't see a lot yeah, we're complimented. Um, and, you know, when we put that up there uh, and, you know, at open enrollment, um, we sent lists of uh, to every group of the lowest cost pharmacies in the area. Uh, you know, I'm sure some of that stuff just ends up in a drawer and people forget mm -hmm. about it when they need it. Right. Um, so we put it up on our website. It's you can put in the zip code and it'll um, show the lowest cost pharmacies in that zip code. And to be quite honest, I wasn't sure. I mean, we we're seeing some traffic, but I wasn't sure how much it was being used or, or folks were actually using it um, until there was a, a, a change in a, a, the a browser that um, disabled that function for a day. Hmm. All right, right. And, um, you know, we got it fixed in a day. We had to change the code. Um, but it wasn't working for a day. And um, you would think that uh, the the world had come to an end. The phones lit up. I'm trying to look up my far. I, so people are actually using it, which, you know, shows that, you know, if, if you give people the tools um, to shop, they'll use them. And the cost difference could be dramatic. Um, you know, the, the bigger box stores are always more expensive. Um, they know they have to be in the network and they drive a hard bargain. Often where you get your best deal is in the grocery store. So we tell folks, you gotta buy your groceries anyway. Yeah. Why don't you just get your medications at the grocery store to save money? You know, and it could be it can be significant, particularly on generic medications. So yeah, we encourage that. We also have a, a price lookup tool um, that they can um, go into that actually allows an individual to price out their drug 
at that point in time in their benefit, so they, they had a deductible, they'll see how much goes towards the deductible, they can see the actual cost of the drug. Um, so they can shop the pharmacies in their local area and, and um, find the one that works best for their particular medications at that time. I think that tool makes sense because when you, we looked at examples yesterday, but if my copay is 10, 15, or 20 on a generic, most generics fall underneath that. Right. So you're paying whatever the price is. Right. So, and we've seen in your tool, we've seen it on GoodRx, you know, it varies significantly between different pharmacies. One can be $23 and one can be four. Right. And so I want to, if I'm paying 100% of that cost, I want to get the cheapest one available and go to the cheapest pharmacy. Absolutely. And if you're paying that $23 and it's a chronic med, you're paying that every month. Yep. So it adds up fast. And if you're on two, three meds, it makes a huge, huge difference. So we get a lot of compliments. Um, I, you know, to your point, uh, these sorts of tools are not ubiquitous out there. Um, and when we're able to educate folks and show them that they, you know, they were spending hundreds of dollars and now they can spend tens of dollars on their medications, um, they're, they're thankful, right? Some, some folks actually are a little angry that they didn't know before. How come, you mean I've been spending all this money and I didn't have to? Well, yeah. you know, um, we're glad that we're here and we're glad that we were able to educate you, you know? So it, it's a really good feeling. So, you know, we look at the top three PBMs and, you know, they control 80% plus of the market. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we all, and I wonder, why do employers go that route? And it's because that's what's handed to them. The TPA or whoever's doing the plan says, well, these are top three. They're, they're, the, they're the best. They're, the, they're not. They're the biggest. And so they, and as Gary Becker says, you know, nobody gets fired for hiring IBM. Right. You know, and so you bring that in, right. you expect to be the best. And then once we tear apart a contract and we look at all of these things that are slanted, that's when the employers realize it. So, and that's what we're trying to do is we're telling employers, bring us your contract, bring us your pharmacy spend. Let so it's a good place it. to start. And we'll show, let's just show you so you can see what's going on. If you don't want to move to a fiduciary premium, you want to stay with CVS, Caremark or somebody else, then let's maybe on your next contract negotiation, you can try to change some things. But if I'm an employer, if you're an employer and you're talking to me and, and I say, okay, what if I'm looking at a, if I'm looking at a PBM, I'm trying to find a PBM, mm -hmm. what are a couple of questions they should ask that PBM? Yeah. <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me. And usually it's the, it's through the broker consultant, right? right? So you're going to be asking your broker consultant those questions, right? But some of the things that, um, you know, and you pointed out in your, your contracts, um, what is their commitment to fiduciary compliance, right? Um, what is the language in and around the definition of a brand or a generic? Something as simple as that. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of wiggle room in a lot of contracts, which allows you to kind of redefine what a brand is and what a generic is to, to hit some, some guaranteed discount that may or may not be real. Um, are you locked into using the PBM's specialty pharmacy? Are you locked into using the PBM's mail order pharmacy? If the answer is yes, um, employers should ask why, why, why do I have to use your pharmacy? Right? Why can't I use the pharmacy that is the best price for that one drug? Right? Um, anything that that um, would um, would indicate a potential conflict of interest should be a, an area of question. There's a conflict of interest on every page of this. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't say it'd be a short conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is fine. You know, another thing you talk, we, you just mentioned, you know, some of the things of directing into pharmacies and directing to places where they control it, they profit off of it. It isn't fair. Uh, another thing we, I saw in that in the contract was basically, and we talked about this yesterday as well, is dispensing as a doctor writes it. Doctor says, you're going to take this high drug. 
and it may not be the best one or it may just be the higher price or it's the it's the doctor that just had that pharmaceutical rep in their office and this is the one on the top of my head i'm gonna go ahead mm -hmm. and sell because doctors don't know what the cost is to you they don't know what the drug cost is to the health plan and so we see that in there so how do you handle if a doctor says i want you to take i don't know vivance or humair or whatever something where there's other alternative alternatives sure. how do you handle that from that perspective versus just saying hey we're going to write the check because you're not writing the check the employer's writing the check right Right. No, that's a good point. Um, and you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, in the current modern day of technology, doctors do not have access to the cost of medications. They have no clue. Um, so part of what we do when we're approaching a doctor about a prescription that they've written that we know is not cost effective um, is we'll educate them. Uh, there's a good example um, of uh, a, a generic drug for uh, diabetes, metformin. Um, the generic version of glumetsin Fortimet is a thousand milligram extended release and um, slight change of formulation. Uh, and uh, they were charging, you know, $2,000, $3,000 a month for a generic metformin. So we would go to the doctor and say, hey, if, if you would just change the prescription instead of the thousand milligram, right, the 500 milligram extended release, um, the patient would have to take two of those instead of one, same medication. Um, and you can get it for less than 10 bucks, right? The doctors had no clue that they were, matter of fact, a, a friend of mine, um, his wife is cardiologist, University of Pennsylvania, and he asked her, do you write the thousand milligram standard release metformin? And she says, yes, I write it all the time. He said, why? It's 3000 bucks. She had no idea. Hmm. He says, why do you do it? He, she said, because on my electronic medical record, it's on the list and I pick it, <laughs> right? So um, doctor education is a big, big, big part of it. Also reminding them that, um, you know, there are all other alternatives out there. And it's it, the other thing, you know, we've talked a lot about the employer cost. We often forget about the member. <clears throat> Do you know that in recent studies, um, on average, individuals are spending 11% of their annual income on premiums and deductibles, 11%. 34% of the average household, um, or excuse me, 34% of the average household income goes towards food. So now you've got 11% plus 34%. Childcare, 13%. Then you got to pay your taxes. What's left, right? Um, we find that um, when, when we engage with an employer and they're saving 50%, the employees are saving 30 to 40% on their spend also. We, we often forget to talk about that, but that's equally important. It's not a, a zero-sum game. One wins, one loses. Everybody wins. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head with that last statement because in, in the chapter in, in the book, on that life and death in drugstore, I talk about people not being able to afford their medications. And so what do they do? They ration it. Yeah. They, they half dose, they cut pills yeah. in half. They don't take it at all. And we talk about, medic, you know, adherence to medications. Is that, that's how you stay out of the hospital. That's how you reduce your medical claims because you're getting people to take care of themselves. And so, yeah, that is it. That's a big portion of it. It's huge. Uh, another uh, case example. So we're working with a national organization. Um, they're um, in the child, child care realm and child education. And um, <clears throat> they've saved millions, millions of dollars over the years, all the strategies that we've talked about. And um, when we first engaged with them, and they're not a high margin business, plus they got hit with COVID, they had to close 50% of their centers. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was devastating, right? Um, they've saved so much through our pharmacy programs that they're now talking about waiving co-pays for all diabetic products. Oh, Why? Cool. Because they have a substantial diabetic um, population within their mix. And the number one complaint amongst their uh, members is the cost of diabetes medications.
right? And um, they would never have had that discussion or conversation a few years ago. They couldn't, right? So now that they, their, their um, fund is in a lot better pay place, their costs are way down, they're able to give back, right? And, and that's just one example of, of many. I love it. So, I mean, this all comes back into that partnership. And so, you know, the three things that you hit on, you know, we need to find a, a, a partner, a PBM partner that is transparent, that takes fiduciary responsibility. That's clinically that, oriented. Clinically oriented and managing the risk. Right. I love it. Renzo, it's awesome to have you in here and talk about this. You know, so it's, it's an area that I love discussing. Um, you've been instrumental in the things we've done for our clients and even my own education in this space. So I appreciate that. Um, for those that are listening to that, maybe employers, how do they get hold of you? What's your website? Yeah, I would just go uh, usrxcare.com and our phone number is there. Um, even better, they should call you. I agree. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And, I, and the, you know, it's still out there. The If you're an employer and you're looking to make some changes um, or at least find out what the, what what your plan could look like, what's wrong with your current PBM, you know, we do, we will offer anyone that watches this, you know, a free consultation where we will analyze your current pharmacy claims and we'll look over your contract as well. So I really, you know, encourage you to do that and see what, see, look at that low hanging fruit and see if you can make some changes to your plan that have real bottom line results with very little noise or interruption to your plan. So Renzo, thanks so much for coming in. I appreciate it. Um, and everyone, thanks for tuning in. And here's a few words from our supporters and sponsors. Thanks. Thanks everyone for tuning in to the Ovation Show. We'd like to give special thanks to our supporters, Craig Shelley Luxury Watches and Fine Jewelry out of Beverly Hills. Success North Dallas, where Bill Wallace is making connections for over 30 years and Work Innovators, where they're amplifying the voice of business. And now a special word from our title sponsor. Employers turn to TBX to provide a modern, seamless, and hassle-free self-enrollment experience for core and voluntary products aimed at educating, not selling to employees. In fact, not only can employers provide a user-friendly, mobile responsive technology solution full of dynamic communications, professional videos, and a data-driven decision support tool, they can do so at no cost to them. That's right, with TBX, there are no setup fees or PEPMs, and there's no need to replace existing technology as we can easily snap onto any existing HRIS and HCM systems. Plus, the enrollment experience is ready in just 30 to 45 days or less, and data files are properly formatted and delivered to carrier and payroll destinations quickly, securely, and accurately. We look forward to helping you accomplish what others can't, a state-of-the-art technology platform for open enrollment, new hires, and qualified life event processing that's simple to implement and maintain. A partnership that's a perfect fit. That's TBX. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.